Hello everyone, welcome to another Ismono podcast and today I have with me a fellow back reviewer that is also at Cariology. it's David. But let's assume before we go into all of the cool questions that I have for you, let's assume no one knows you. David, <laughs> please introduce yourself a little bit and tell us what you're doing and what is... Yeah, how did you get started with all of this? Yeah, uh, my name is David Samwell. I go uh, publicly or in cariology, oftentimes by Dave Sam, if you have watched any of my reviews before. Um, God, what do I do? What started me here? Uh, so I'm a digital nomad, if you will. I, uh, I'm sitting in my office space right now at home. I go to my office on a regular basis here. I travel a ton for work. Um, And that is really what led me to bags, kind of the diversity of my work life. Mm -hmm. And not just led me to bags, but led me to want to find something that was almost perfect for me or as close to perfect as possible, which the ever elusive perfect bag for all of us. <laughs> That's basically um, how all of us started. Exactly. So <laughs> I had gotten rid of one of my bags here one night. It was my main bag. And, uh, I had just went on a tear of research, literally like two or three months of just researching nonstop bag after bag after bag, trying to find something that I knew I would like. And so I bought one bag. I was like, okay, this is going to be the one. This is it. I bought it. It was like, I want to say it was like 300 bucks or 250 bucks at the time. And for me at the time, that was like the most I'd ever spent on a bag. I was, <laughs> it was a ton. And then uh, within three months, I had uh, nine bags, I want to say. Wow. So yeah <laughs> yeah that's impressive um, my wife likes to say that i am uh both an obsessive and a compulsive but it is not a disorder at the moment is it is it time for an intervention then <laughs> it might be yeah. it, you know the number of bags i've accumulated since has been a lot <laughs> okay um, okay so that's what got me started and ever since then that was about three years ago almost Uh, yeah, about three years ago. Ever since then, I've been just loving being part of the community, meeting new people, trying to just learn new things about bags, design. Um, of course, as you know, being a filmmaker, doing YouTube is not just uh, filming yourself and putting it up there. So learning all of the videography, editing, all that stuff mm -hmm. has also been really fun. But it's really cool. You have a very relaxed way being in front of the camera. Have you been doing camera work a lot? Because I recently talked to Tom and we kind of memorized um, our first videos, especially my video was, holy crap, it was so cringe and it was so stiff. <laughs> and I feel like that even before the, before you been in the karyology team, your videos were always really relaxed. Have you come from Uh, from a video space or are you very common to speaking in front of people or how does that how did that well, thank come you. about <laughs> yeah thank you first of all um i would say more the latter uh for my job in particular it's actually very much the same as what i do for youtube it's oh, okay the same template it's research define a script of some kind and then deliver that script. Mm. So oftentimes I don't record myself for work. I will deliver in front of, you know, several people, maybe 20, 30 people, depending oh, okay. on, yeah, depending on what we're doing. Uh, but that's where I get all my practice. So YouTube has been a very good, um, supplemental practice mm. and work has been a good supplemental practice for YouTube as well. So you n never get stage fright then. So you basically uh, used to speak in front of 20 people, at least 20 people, or? I do get stage fright frequently. I like to think that if you're not afraid, you don't care. Yeah, um, that's true. Does it doesn't matter how good you are at something um, or how good you might be at something. I think it's natural to get butterflies and it's good to get butterflies. It means true. you actually want to be there to me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But what, what are you doing, if I may ask, uh, what's your let's say regular job where you have to speak on a regular basis in front of 20 people that's 
Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's five people, sometimes okay. it's 20, it doesn't, you know, it matters. Um, I am what's called a solutions engineer. So for those of you who don't know what that is, um, I work at a pretty big tech company and at these bigger tech companies, especially because they are oftentimes considered platforms and they do thousands of things, they will hire people like me so that I can help explain to a customer how exactly they would apply my product to their oh, business. I see. I see. So I'm like okay. a, techno, a super technical resource at work. I see. That sounds really specialized. And what did you, I mean, for those, many might not know this, but you had a YouTube channel before you came to Karyology. What was that YouTube channel all about? Was it already ju just in air quotes um, bags or did you also cover some other stuff as well? So if you scroll as far back as you can go, uh, you'll see a few different videos. So a few things I was just trying, trying to get creative, um, mm -hmm. you know, birth, birthday video and things like that. But um, I think ever since my maybe fourth video, third video, it's been pretty much all bags, apparel a little bit. I've done mm -hmm. a couple of jackets and things like that. Um, that's actually my goal for this year is to get a little more into some of the other carry categories outside of bags, like apparel. So you, you will keep posting videos on your personal channel as well? No, no, no. I've okay. not posted anything on my personal channel. I don't play uh, it on it. Yeah. It's so hard to maintain two channels, honestly. Exactly. exactly. But <laughs> that, like... that's pretty, that's cool then. Yeah. So you will do some more other items on Karyology as well. That's cool. That's very interesting. And yeah, it should be fun. Maybe can you give us a little bit more, go a little bit deeper into how you gotten into bags? I mean, you mentioned you bought, you tr were trying to find the perfect bag, but can you go a little bit into detail? At that time, the first, let's say, proper bag. I mean, for me, it was the uh, Rush 12 before I mm. spent a lot of money for the Gorak. What was, which one was your first bag where you said like, okay, I'm going to do a lot of research before I spend multiple hundreds of dollars to buy that. So I was caught up between looking for something that was good enough for travel, mm -hmm. but also had good everyday features. Um, I had come across a handful of bags in the category. First one was the Black Ember Citadel uh, mm. R2. Fantastic bag. I did end up buying it. That was not yeah. the first bag I bought. <laughs> uh, the Topo Design Travel Bag, which I still have not actually tried out, but I would love mm -hmm. to. I've heard that the 30-liter version in particular is like phenomenal to travel with. It's a with. great bag, yeah. And then the one I ended up with was the uh, Boundary Supply Prima System, which... Mm. I will be honest, is actually still one of my favorite bags. I still yeah. pull it out and use it, I don't know, a few times a year at least. Yeah. And then I use the camera insert all the time. That's like my travel camera insert yeah. most of the time. So that was the first bag that you bought and that made you kind of, let's say, interested or sparked the interest to make a review? Or um, how did that go from <laughs> I'm going to buy an expensive bag and then... Yeah, let's film it. Where where did that come from to start that? So um, I told you I had purchased like nine, maybe 10 mm -hmm. bags in that exactly. first few months. Um, it got to the point where it was taking up a lot of space in the house. And my wife uh, told me that if I didn't start doing something with the bags, doing something, <laughs> <laughs> that she was going to have a problem. Um, so at the same time, a COVID had hit. You know, everybody yeah. was home. Yeah. Mm. I was very actively trying to find something creative to do, um, mm. especially like three or four months into COVID. I was just going crazy in my house. Yeah, uh, same. And I had the bags and I was watching YouTube videos all the time. And I was like, you know what? I could probably do this. Why not? Yeah. So here I am. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I mean, and it worked out pretty well. And as I said, I, I was always under the impression, okay, that guy has some skills he knows what he's doing in front of the camera <laughs> so that was Thank really you. cool Thank you. as i, I said that. i watch i watch one of my first videos and it's, it's so cringe seeing myself being all stiff and yeah oh. it's and i tried to memorize so, everything so i was kind of in 
in huge air quotes acting out the script yeah. that I made and it was even more stiff and ah, it was terrible so watching your first videos was really okay that guy knows what he's doing well, thank you <laughs> I also though I got deep into editing right away mm. I think I was very comfortable like shooting the same thing three four five times in a row to get it right yeah. and I think that Anybody who wants to start on YouTube, if you become comfortable with that type of motion, hey, I could mess up. It's just a camera. Like, I'll delete that yeah. file or whatever. Who cares? Exactly. Right? Once you get comfortable with that motion and then listening to yourself so that you can edit, I think anybody could do YouTube. And I think the vast majority of people have the skill to share, some skill to mm -hmm. share that YouTube is a yeah. great form. Also, um, in the same line, it's very good to get comfortable with the thought of messing up and then leaving it in. I think that's the beauty of YouTube. You can mess up. You you don't have to be perfect. And that that was actually for me also the point where when I it made a little bit of a it was making click that oh that's not not a big deal. I can stumble upon whatever I'm saying and then just leave it in. It just makes it either more right. fun or it's not that big of a deal then you have a jump cut in there and it's not it's not that right that much of well, an issue and, you know it's gonna sound weird but we're you know we're human too like exactly as much as people watch us on youtube and stuff and it's great like we want to be considered experts and i think we are in a lot of ways hmm. we're gonna mess up just like anybody yeah. else it's okay yeah but that's that's interesting that you say that because there is such a um, blurred line when it comes down to YouTubers and being a reviewer. On one hand, as a spectator, as a viewer of any review, we expect the reviewer to be professional. But on the other hand, we want that person also to be relatable, approachable, and have some flaws. But yeah, it's, it mm -hmm. always gets a little bit blurry. And I see that so many times in YouTube comments where people are kind of crit for instance i have these first impressions where i always say in the beginning hey i'm not going to inform myself about this product i'm going to go into this product just like you walking into a store and i have no idea mm -hmm. and then i get i had a few comments where hey you are a professional reviewer you should have informed yourself and and then I'm like, no, this was not what the video is all about. And that's what I'm saying, where the lines are so blurred, where some people expect you to be relatable and approachable and just like you, but or just like the viewer. But then on the other hand, they're very harsh when they don't feel like you are, profe in air quotes again, professional enough. So it's, it's a hard line to, to walk sometimes as a YouTube reviewer. You know, like, I, I totally agree with you. I try to stay out of the comments as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like, especially when negative comments come, it's mostly like, thanks for your feedback. And that's, a, yeah. <laughs> that's my only <laughs> comment back. <laughs> um, because I yeah can't take it as much. But, you know, those comments, I feel like it's so easy. It is so easy to comment on something. It is mm -hmm. much harder to take the time to put something out there and create. Yeah. And so I always take that as well. Like when I'm thinking of what I've done and what I'm trying to do, we do something hard, like, yeah. and we do it repeatedly and consistently. And that's hard too. you know, if, when yeah. other people do it, they could criticize mm -hmm. me. Like if you were to criticize me, I would, I would love and appreciate that mm -hmm. because then I can go improve myself because you know what it takes. Yeah. Have you, have you, I try to put it in the right grammar. Have you been or have you had to deal with negative comments? Okay, that was really difficult grammar. <laughs> did you did you come across negative comments on YouTube that uh, that much? That was easier. Um, <laughs> um, I think we all do, right? Like, mm. is it? I think we remember the ones that are negative yeah. way more for some reason. Right. Yeah. And it's like on most of my videos, there's only positive comments mm. on a couple of them. There's one or two bad comments. And like, yeah. those are the ones that kind of stick out to me all the time. Yeah. But like I said, I mean, I tried to say thanks for your feedback and move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's strange, right? 
you can you can get like 50 positive comments and then there's this one negative one and even if that's a totally stupid negative one it's still the one that you remember the most it's it's kind of yeah. stupid how the brain is wired in a way to only look at the negatives and remember unfortunately the negatives uh it's kind of you get those people you know you get the people especially on our kinds of videos who are like you know i made a um what was it it was like top tech pouches or like how to compare tech pouches so that you can mm. pick one for you and half the comments are like where's this pouch why didn't you include this yeah. how come this isn't on the list and it's like I mean, there's already 20 pouches in here. Like, I didn't want to make a three-hour mm. video about pouches. I'll make another yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's how that's interesting. I didn't I didn't write this question down, but uh now that you mentioned this, I, I kind of want to go there a little bit. How how was your view on the bag community right now in terms of um division between certain brands and i we in many of my podcast episodes i try uh, i have this comparison with apple versus android or mm. um i don't know what else would be there i don't know. yeah iphone versus android that's the best example do you where people are kind of divided and battling it out what is better do you feel like that something like that is kind of starting to happen in the back community especially because we are getting to a point where we have a lot of people that are very passionate about specific brands and then they invest a lot of money so i do understand for instance if i invest a lot of money into one specific item i want to justify that investment that purchase so I do understand from that perspective that sometimes discussions can get a little bit heated. Do you feel like that is starting in the bag community as well, especially considering all of the collapse and where bags are? For me personally, I think the prices are justified, but I can understand from consumer perspective, oh, those are multiple hundred dollars, um, that that people are getting a little bit heated. Is that starting? Yeah. or? Yeah. So I actually, you mentioned Apple and Android, and I think mm. with Apple and Android, it's really so divisive because there's just two camps. It's binary in a lot of ways, right? There are a couple of smaller players, of course, but like the vast majority of people are in one camp or the other. Mm. I compare bags oftentimes to the way that cameras are heating up. And I know you're a filmmaker. Yeah. Sony dropped three cameras last year. Yeah. Canon dropped three cameras last year. Exactly. Nikon dropped the camera last year. <laughs> you're like, I, like, I think there's so much choice in bags right now, similar to the way that we kind of have cameras. And it's the best time ever to want to be a part of that community because you can have almost anything you want. Now, when it comes to people arguing and, you know, really defending their brand hardcore, I don't know how to put this better than like, I think there's a right way to do it. Like, I'm not, I don't, if you tell me you love your bag and it's the best bag you've ever owned, I can't mm. say you're wrong. Like it's, it's your bag. It's an extension yeah. of who you are. Exactly. It carries the things that you, you need it to carry. Right. So if it does that perfectly for you, that's amazing. I, I yeah. like, I couldn't be happier. I'm not going to recommend another bag for you. You've got the perfect bag already, <laughs> you yeah. know, but for me, I'm the kind of person I think you are. I know Taylor and others are also like this, like, I want to change out my bag frequently. I want to have different bags for different purposes. Yeah. I want to have different bags for different styles, you know, and I agree. I think the prices are justified. And when you start looking into the detail of some of these bags, you know, we'll take the Samurai as the last example from Carryology, mm -hmm. the collaboration. It's a $700 bag. But mm -hmm. when you look at what they put into it, right, the exactly. Japanese denim, it's a uh, freshly made fabric that's never been made before and it's never going to be made again you know the samurai design on the front there that being made by that top armor maker in japan like those are yeah. details that are worth paying for totally and it's so funny i have this it's i feel like it is due to the world or the time we're actually 
currently living in where cost of living is getting expensive and stuff like that i feel that is the reason why recently i have so many comments that are saying oh that specific bag is too expensive why is this so expensive why do you only have those expensive things on your list and for me personally i feel that as mentioned before those prices are justified just by looking a at everything that is put into that bag but b more importantly that this bag will hold up many years 24 7 Mm -hmm. And I'm so much into, I watch a lot of fashion because my wife is totally into fashion. And I've seen those Im incredibly expensive Birkin bags. And for those of you who don't mm -hmm. know, those are those expensive, limited, built-to-order bags that all of those very rich or um, celebrities wear. And they start at at a four-figure number usually, but you more more often at five figures. So <laughs> that's at least for yeah, at least for me that put it a little bit into perspective. Then I thought about sneakers, and that's always the example that I bring. Dude, you're mm. buying your Nike sneakers for 120 euros. That sneaker holds up maybe a season, if you're lucky, two seasons or something. Mm -hmm. Or you leave it in your closet forever. You yeah. never see it. <laughs> exactly. That's the same thing. And I, I feel like, okay, but this is a bag that is maybe two times or three times of that price that you're putting on the table, but you will use that bag for many months, every month, and every day, and you carry your at least four-figure uh, MacBook Pro inside, so you want everything to be proper, right? And still, some people don't really understand it. I do get that they obviously compare it to other brands where you get cheaper bags like Nike, a fashion bag, mm -hmm. or North Face, but those bags, yeah, it's... They don't usually don't look that great or they aren't that great of a quality. And then again, so many people, at least here in Germany, they are so into appearances. And then you put an ugly backpack on your back. Are you are you kidding me? That's <laughs> crazy, kidding. right? Exactly. Yeah. How do you I get take, it? How do you take a nice, nice outfit and then put yeah. like a 10-year-old jam sport on your back or something? Yeah. It's crazy. It makes no um, sense. Yeah. It is absolutely wild to me. And you're right, like fashion brands, you pay for the brand more than you pay for the material or the actual quality. And when you look at, and I'll take an example of GORUCK, like their SCARS warranty is a lifetime warranty. And if mm -hmm. you've used it, you know that they mean it. Like if you work th that bag super hard, they will fix it for you. <laughs> like it's if you cool. go and actually put it through the paces that you say you're going to put it through, that they tell you to go put it through. Yeah, they will make sure that it lasts you a lifetime. That's right. Really and cool. when you buy Nikes, they don't do that. They don't care if they fall apart a week yeah. later, right? They're oh, sorry, yeah, you were using them outside, right? Okay, well, their shoes they fall apart. <laughs> that's yeah, how that's Nike true. treats it, right? That's so, true. I think six hundred dollar bags are expensive, but if you're going to use it for ten years, I think sixty bucks a year is not a very expensive bag. I mean, that's an extreme example, right? Those are the limited editions ones. And right. I get those comments on the recent one where I saw that, I think it was, don't quote me on this, but I believe it was one of the airbags. So mm -hmm. that's, that's 200. It's a very reasonably priced yeah, bag. $200 tops, at, but it's more realistic. It was, I think, a 130 bag. So it's not hmm. nothing where you would be like, oh, that's too expensive. And that's something I personally do not 100% understand why there is sometimes, not all of, no, that's not right. Why in the mainstream there's so, such a, I don't know, such a aversion against paying a little bit more for a bag that's, something i don't you know, really Stanley? understand 
this is i saw a comment and this is going back to cameras a little bit from uh, one of the youtubers who i follow and he was just listing off he was like people ask for all these features like i want mm -hmm. it to be 6k and open yeah. gate and have a lidar scanner and all these things all these things and then it's like also the same people i want it to be under a thousand dollars it's like mm -hmm. you can't have advanced features and advanced specs exactly and advanced everything and make it the cheapest thing available mm -hmm. right that's that's not how economics works so, yeah, yeah you know it's, and i think bags fall into that category yeah i think it's it's we as a society we kind of get or have become a little bit used to a certain standard of living or getting stuff or um i don't know using items that we sometimes don't realize how much money is actually going into that specific thing I, I think the best example is youtube and google services I, I've, i'm always a little bit surprised by the outrage that the youtube community sometimes has when youtube messes up or the ad revenue is getting lower or something like that and then i'm sitting here and i'm, I'm like it's not a necessity that you get money from service that is free um so imagine i'm telling you okay uh david you can you can stay in my apartment for free no no worries and then you say are saying like okay i'm going to stay at your at your home but i'm going to rent out this section of the room to someone else and then i'm going to keep that money and i would be like hold on a minute <laughs> that's that's what? not right <laughs> yeah yeah i'm right. i'm I'm letting you use my apartment for free. Now you get money from that. And I'm telling you no, or at least give me money. And then you are get, getting all upset. And I feel like that's the same thing sometimes with YouTube, where they offer you a free service. And then they're saying like, okay, you can get some money for that. It's out of our generosity. I mean, this is very oversimplified. I know that there goes yes. a little bit more into it, but sometimes it feels like that. I sometimes don't understand the outrage of something that you already gotten for free. And now they also give you money for that. And now you get outraged when something is not the way that you want it to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it sometimes why people are getting so you know. upset at some thing that is free they set the expectation that it's free that it's premium and you get paid and as soon as that's the expectation that's what everybody wants right yeah <laughs> so when they change it i mean yeah. i agree with you 100 percent. it's a great service that we all get to take advantage of yeah. and they keep upgrading it even though it's free right like if you don't have the money for editing software for example you can technically edit all your videos right on YouTube. Yeah, right. Exactly. Or through through studio. <laughs> you can add music directly through studio. You can do a ton of stuff mm. right there if you are really just starting out. I think it's meant for the people to have all the basics so that they can do what they need to do. Yeah. And then they try stuff. And to your point, sometimes exactly. what they try doesn't always work. That's okay. <laughs> So let's go a little bit back to bags. I would love to know what's your most important feature on a bag? What, what are you looking for in terms of features? So this one's a little bit uh, unique as far as features go, but I, I, like like, I like good distribution in a bag. Basically, I don't want a completely open hole in which everything just falls to the bottom. Mm -hmm. If you can give me, I think the best example I've ever seen of this is the Black Ember Shadow. If you look at that bag, top to bottom, there's mm -hmm. compartments in every single yes. section yeah. so that True. you can space everything out in the bag. And I love that. That, yeah. to me, is good design, right? I think another great example of that is the um, Tom Bin Cynic, or the Synapse even, mm -hmm. right? Like, the pocketing on those bags is so perfect because it distributes everything across the bag. Mm -hmm. And I like, if you give me a bag like that, like that's gonna be my favorite bag, bro. Yeah. I like that as well in in, um, in the front compartment of the Able Carry Daily Plus, where they have these um, 
let's say, vertical aligned um, compartments. So you can, as you mentioned, distrib distribute all of your items in a vertical space. I love that so much. It's so good design. And I yes. don't know why not more people or more brands do that with their front pockets. It's much better. With it's so much nicer and it makes it just so much easier to access your stuff in yeah. all honesty, right? If you're digging through a big open hole, it's like, all right, if it's not on the top, then I'm like taking everything out of my bag to find it yeah. every time. It's, I don't like that. Exactly. And then what's your nitpick? What would you say is the, what are the top three of, well, it doesn't have to be three, but what do you really <laughs> dislike on bags when you, get them back for review for instance is there anything um the top thing for me is gonna be bad zippers if i mm -hmm. if i don't feel like the zippers open easily and are nice to access it is gonna diminish my feeling for the bag mm. um which is sad because i think that's one of the things that you should be testing as a bag company very very mm. very hardly um I'm trying to think of if there's anything else that I'm just like looking at all my bags here or like some of them, I should say. I would say that like weird features. I don't even know how to explain this weird features that I don't necessarily think need to be there. Oftentimes I'm like, why'd you put this in? I'll use like the, um, is it a kangaroo pouch? What's that? Th it's this thing. The kangaroo pouch. You can roll this thing out. On the Cerebus, you can like hook it up here and roll oh. it out and then roll it away. Oh, so, yeah, I see. So basically, I, I, I've seen those. Um, so for audio listeners, it's the the flap on the outside of a backpack. And I feel that those are uh, inspired by the flaps where military people put their helmets in. I think that's the yes. space where helmets are put on a backpack on the outside of the bag if they don't wear the helmet right i think that's where yes. it came from right i um, think it's called a fly pouch if i remember correctly something I, like that but no. either way i think bags like that for the everyday user or mm. like features like that for the everyday user i think go a little to the wayside right i think mm. those have a very very niche feature set mm. and so you're selling to a very niche portion of the community which is fine like i said earlier you know we've got unlimited choice now in bags which yeah. is great um but those are the things that i'm like yeah i'll i'll pass on that kind of stuff mm -hmm. yeah there are a but few the zippers thing, that's the top one for me zipper bad zippers will ruin a bag for me but what's your perfect zipper style and size i feel that uh, there's such it's 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 actually pretty beautiful because it is so subjective for so many people. I know that not a lot of people, I personally like big zippers um, because I like the feeling, I like the look, I like the confidence-inspiring heft of the zipper, but I know that many people, or that some people don't like that and prefer the, the tiny ones, which I personally don't get because I always think they break easily. Maybe not nowadays. Um, what's your favorite size then? Is there a good, do you are right in the middle and you take AquaGuard zippers or what are you? what's your favorite then on the back? Uh, so I was going to mention AquaGuard. I think I love a good AquaGuard zipper, but I do think they're a little overused. They don't need mm. to be used all the time. Mm. <laughs> uh, it depends on the bag. You, I'm sure you know what bags yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. They're just all over, all over the place. Um, I prefer a good number eight or number 10, mm. uh, reverse coil. I think the reverse coil zipper is the easiest zipper to use yeah. period. It's always super smooth. And if you give me a nice number eight or number 10, that's like, it's never yeah. going to break. I can use it a million times yeah. and it'll be exactly the same from the first time to the last time. I feel like and the, the reverse coil, I'm not sure if, if, if that's actually the case or if it's just my impression that the reverse coil have the uh, reputation or kind of give you the impression that they are not water tight because i don't know be, because they they look kind of as if Slightly they could open. 
yeah, or as if they could soak up the water because it's this fabric kind of feeling to them. And we, from a consumer perspective, are kind of educated in air quotes that aqua guard zippers are the best in terms of water resistance. But I actually talked to to uh, the designers at Heimplanet and they said like, no, reverse coil, this actually can be pretty much water uh, tight, not water tight, but water resistant as well. <laughs> so it's kind of a shame. I like reverse coil a lot. Um, I also do. I think it should be used more. I do like how, you know, on GoRuck, for example, they use all the reverse coil on the regular bags, but then they have the flaps over everything for mm -hmm. that added, you know, water security, which I also agree. I think, yeah, if you're going to have a reverse coil, a little flap doesn't hurt, especially because it's such an easy zipper. Do I mean, it's it's been a while since I've used my GoRuck, and I mean, I still have the GR0, so mm. which is now called the GR121 liter, so I uh, in other words, I have a very old version of the Gorok, and that one is broke in quite well. But I have the you can see it in here the the special edition uh, Gorok, which was um, which is made out of X-Pack. I think that was X-Pack. That, that's the a little Dynema bit crinkly. One? Uh, Danima, the, the Danima De one. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm um, jealous. I love that one. That's like the best one in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, but I I felt like that the 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 rain flap. And, and the corners is getting a little bit in the way of of the zipper. Um, and I've seen uh, that some people just flap that open on the top, and that's a good solution. But I wonder if if this flap is actually efficient in a way. Yeah, I'm not sure. I could see it getting in the way. That's true. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder as well. I think it's something to do with maybe the way that the specialty Gorox have been built. Because mm. I didn't experience that at all in my GR1 or my GR2. Mm. Like this heritage, I have a heritage GR2, and it's a perfect zipper. Yeah, because the, the um, fabric is softer. I think due to it being softer, it's much more flexible, right? And I think yes. the Dyneema got a little bit in the way. And I think the denim is the same case. It gets a mm. little bit tight because it's not quite as, it doesn't mm. quite have as much give. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about. When we are talking about these special edition bags, I have the qu my qu next question is: Which bag has been the most memorable to you? And not necessarily the limited editions, but overall mm -hmm. of all of the bags that you reviewed. It doesn't have to be positively, but without mentioning probably without mentioning a brand, is there a bag that has been very negatively in your memory? <laughs> Um, I won't mention the negative. I'll mention the, the negative one, but um, it was more of a fashion brand who was mm -hmm. creating a specialty bag uh, that they sent me and very fashion forward, very poor function. Mm. Like every time I tried to use it, I was like, I fucking hate this thing. And I would just <laughs> unpack it. I would just unpack it and I just sent them. I just tell them, I was like, guys, I can't use this bag. There's, mm. I'm not going to say anything nice about it if I make a video. So I'm not going to make it. Yeah, that's <laughs> good choice. So that happens. Um, but as far as memorability goes, I'm going to go back to the Boundary Supply Prima. And it's, there's two things for me. One, first, kind of first love, if you will, on the bag front, which I will always remember. And then two, mm. Honestly, to this day, it's still one of my favorite bags because it's overbuilt. And mm -hmm. I'm the kind of person who wants that type of kind of overbuilt thing, right? It's got the camera cube attachment that can be attached everywhere. It's, you know, an expandable bag. It's got, you know, all these different pulleys and all these things that help it make it comfortable on your back. Like it's, it's such a premiumly built bag when you think of all of the different things that they could have included. That being said, when you try to do everything, you don't do anything really fantastic. But I think they've achieved something that was pretty awesome. It was a really, really great bag. Not perfect, mm. just like anybody would tell you. And I don't know if you remember this, but it was like also five and a half pounds or something. Empty. Yeah, it's five pounds. It's, an, it's a heavy bag. Have you tested the Boundary Supply Aaron Pro yet? No, not yet. I'm dying to, actually. I would love to get my hands on it. I, I, f I feel like that that bag could become your favorite bag if you like the Prima. 
Um, however, that bag is also when empty, um, two kilos, so four pounds. Uh, it's hefty. Yeah. So <laughs> they put so much attention to detail in those bags and so good build quality and choices of materials. But then it's getting heavy. However, I was actually, in my first impressions, I was ex the same on the Primo, was thinking, wow, that thing is heavy. But yesterday, I actually went grocery shopping with the Aaron Pro, and I was surprised how well it fits on my body frame. And it's really comfortable. And I had the same feeling with the Prima. Um, yes. So, yeah, that's actually very impressive that they can work around the flaw of being very heavy. That's really totally cool. agree. Yeah. It's uh like I said, it's an overbuilt bag. They used everything, right? Mm. Like anything you could think of that could be used in the bag, they used it. So I love that bag. I actually never made a review about that bag. I wanted to, oh. but every time every time I was like, I'm gonna fanboy too hard. I can't do it. I can't make a I can't make a um, objective review about but, it because I love it too much. But maybe you shouldn't you shouldn't make an objective review about it. Maybe you can do something very emotional make a make a love letter video to the prima and also i don't know now it must be four years of use or even longer maybe yeah that, i got it in uh yeah mid 2018 i want to say yeah that could be a really cool video if you if you do it like that and and maybe also use that as a jumping point for for an errant pro review do that video first, like the love letter to Prima. And then now I get second videos. I got the Aaron Pro. Can it exchange my love for the Prima or will it disappoint or something like that? I think that could be really cool. I'll have to uh, reach out to them and see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, we definitely should do that. But if, yeah. now talking about that bag, you said that it wasn't perfect. What would it, what would make it perfect for you? if you would exchange something on that bag? So it's funny that you asked this question because when the Pro came out, the Aaron Pro, before that bag came out, I thought I kept thinking to myself, maybe I'll make a video instead of a review for the for the Prima, I'll make a five things I'd like to see in the Prima 2, you know, or the Prima mm. version 2 or whatever. Mm. And I feel like that's actually what they did with the Errant. They took the Prima, they took yeah. the old Errant or the original Errant, they took the Prima and they kind of combined them to make this one kind of amazing looking bag. Yeah. <laughs> and then the accessories that they sell, I think that's where Boundary Supply really excels. They just know how to do modularity. Mm. I think better than, maybe not better than anybody, but better than the vast majority of companies I've mm. ever seen. Do you feel like that they sometimes kind of uh, miss the mark because they overdo it yeah yes i mean is the truth right i think they have to this is where they're building for the niche to an extent mm -hmm. they're not building i think for the average person which <clears throat> if you're somebody like me and you and you're in the niche that's awesome i love it like mm -hmm. i want all their bags i want everything yeah. that they sell um because they do that. Uh, mm. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then, I mean, I know that you kind of answered this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What's your favorite or let's say current favorite everyday carry bag and your travel bag? So two. Which one is your favorite EDC bag at the moment? And which one is your favorite travel bag? I know that we as reviewers always switch bags and that's kind of a difficult question. I don't know how to answer that myself. So yeah. I will put you I'm on like the spot right now. <laughs> because I, I, I'm never able to actually properly answer that question. So I'm going to put you on the spot now. <laughs> okay, so... I will say, I think my favorite bag ever in a lot of ways mm -hmm. is the Evergood CPL24. I Good think choice. they did yeah. they did a really fantastic yeah. design job there. Um, 
first and foremost, I think it feels like two bags, right? If you put it on your back and you wear it and use it like a backpack, it's fantastic. But then when you side carry it, oh, it so has good. all those side carry, yeah. all those features on it's the side so carry good. are so good. Yeah. Um, so that bag is, is for every day. Like I find myself going back to that very, mm. very frequently. For travel, I um, I saw your video with JB or some of the clips with JB. I'm a little bit like JB. I'm a two-bag traveler. I don't do yeah. one-bag travel very much. So <laughs> I'll take any everyday bag, um, kind of whichever one I'm feeling. It depends if it's a business trip or not. Sometimes I might take something a little nicer or a little mm. cleaner looking. Um, but more often than not, I'll take a CPL, I'll take the Muir, I'll take one of those, just kind of a good everyday bag. Mm. Uh, and I'll pair it with, um, my roller, which do you remember the company G row G dash R O they made those, those bags oh. with the super fat wheels. Yeah. 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 They had really huge wheels Two, just two big wheels, right? Left to right. Yes. Yeah. Well, so I actually, they had a bag come out on Kickstarter after that two wheel one that is a, a standard kind of four wheel roller but it still it, had those two fat wheels it was a trunk is it the one with the, the engine where you can <laughs> sit on it <laughs> just <ride> on that. <laughs> it's called uh the six the okay. six like the number six okay go look it up it's a honestly it's a fantastic bag but sadly they went out of business after oh, that's the sad. kickstarter campaign because mm. i i don't think it did that well but um, I've never gotten more comments on a bag. I've never had people ask me more questions about a bag than when I roll that thing around because it is so unique. You've got to look it up. The handle in particular is what makes it super unique. And I wish they built more bags like this, to be honest. It's just so comfortable to travel Ooh, with. That looks pretty cool. It's very, very interesting. It's a fun, fun bag to travel with. It's really easy to maneuver around the airport oh, because of the way it travels well that's a shame that they yeah they're probably yeah i mean it says here it was supposed to be in 2020 then covid hit yeah obviously it uh that's a shame yeah Yeah, it was a shame so now when i show it to people especially when i go to work and i'll bring it before we go on a flight or something people will be like oh can i use it can i try it i'm like no you can't i can't replace (laughs) it i can't get it fixed (laughs) you you can't touch it (laughs) Wow, that that looks really cool. Oh man, that sucks. Very innovative bag. It was honestly mm. that was part of why I bought it. It was just such um it was mm. it was one of my favorite things about design. When somebody takes something that is so common, is so ubiquitous, everybody used the four-wheel standard roller bag, right? The standard carry-on luggage and just kind of turned it on its head like that's the kind of thing that really inspires me about design but i'm really surprised because the i'm on the kickstarter page of the six and it says that 3200 people uh supported that kickstarter and it was 1.19 million dollars so if they went bankrupt despite that one million dollars they there has must have been some really terrible miscalculations then in production right that's kind yeah of, that, i think so oh man i don't know if they went bankrupt i know they went out of business i don't know that they necessarily went bankrupt mm. but you know it's just one of those things where i think if you take too much of a leap in design you don't get enough traction sometimes yeah. and like again i appreciate it i think it's a fantastic yeah. it unique idea i like i like that design a lot so for audio listeners it's the g g uh dash ro and then the back is called the six and i think yeah i agree with you this design looks fun I think that's the best way to describe it. It's a fun design without being like stupid. It looks cool, um, refreshing, and actually the way it is designed, I think it is very beneficial when moving that bag around. Um, so Obviously. just to describe it for audio listeners, it's it's a hard shell suitcase with two big wheels on one end and two smaller wheels on the other but the cool thing about this the handle is actually diagonally um, aligned on the back so 
when you pull it it's not you know when you have normal rolling luggage you kind of flip it not flip it but you tilt it to onto the two wheels but because the the handle is kind of diagonally aligned you don't need to tilt the whole bag and yeah you just pull it on on well so actually it's made it's made to be pushed it's a push. Oh, bag. it's, it's so a push you, bag. Yeah, it makes it super comfortable because, and you know, people can't oh. see me. You can see me. You're holding it like this the whole time, just like you normally would just hold your arm out like this. So you're just walking and it's moving in front oh, of you. you it's push fantastic it. to use. <laughs> okay, that might, that, so it's actually kind of, you know, like a baby stroller then. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's a okay. better way to think about it, but like a yeah. thin super easily maneuverable baby <laughs> yeah i thought the way it is designed because it is diagonally if you pull it usually uh, on a normal rolling case you kind of tilt it so it doesn't hit your feet right and i thought that mm-hmm. because it is diagonally um, aligned it won't hit your feet if you pull it behind you without having to kind of lift it uh lift the other two wheels into the air but yeah that's cool i I like these kind of innovative designs um same that i mean was definitely one of my more favorite bags that i got mm-hmm. to use um honestly the only thing i wish is that i bought two just so i could have one sitting you know for when this one eventually breaks which you know all bags do which what capacity do you have i don't it's is it the carry-on bag or is check-in bag it's carry, it's on, carry right? on. Oh yeah. It, I will say the one thing that is slightly odd because of the way the wheels are placed, it doesn't always fit in the overhead the same way that a regular roller luggage does. It's mm. never really been a problem for me. I mean, I've always been able to get it in, but you will find that you have to get a little unique sometimes. Mm, I see. I see. It looks cool. I want to see more of these refreshing innovative designs um that's actually why i really like black amber boundary supply they for me i love black amber and i'm not a i haven't been a big fan of the tks but i highly respect them for pushing the boundaries and not doing the same design and the same approach over and over again so i love what they're doing um so i me and you have the same opinion of the TKS overall. Uh, I think it's much better integrated directly into the shadow than it is mm. as a separate item. I yeah. totally agree. I feel like in the sh- I don't really like it in the shadow either, this accordion pocket, but only because I'm not that much of an Apple user. It mm. To me, the, the accordion pocket feels like very catering towards an apple crowd where you have a very flat magic mouse you have your airpods mm-hmm. case which is fairly compact and all of those very streamlined items fit very well into that accordion pocket but once mm-hmm. you kind of yeah move away from that kind of loadout it's not that useful anymore if you have anything a little bit thicker a little bit more yeah, wider or bulkier. Um, also, the this on the feature video they show someone putting glasses into that accordion pocket, and I wouldn't Never. do that. No, yeah, Never. exactly. You have way too tight for that. It, yeah. it would crush those glasses. Yeah, those better and, be indestructible glasses. Yeah, and I've, to me, it felt it's not it's not false advertising because you can do it, but. I would never recommend it, especially not with prescription glasses. I mean, you should. And then to your point, the yeah. case, if you put your glasses in a case, then you're it not fitting fit. it in there. Yeah. yeah, it won't fit. So again, I like that they are pushing the envelope, but yeah, it's it's not perfect. And I just got the compact, <laughs> the Black Amber compact. I I like what they're doing. It's It's kind of, Again, pushing the boundaries a little bit in terms of what you can do with a sling bag. But on the other hand, I'm not I'm not sure if it's in America the same thing, but in Germany, I hate that word, but some boomers 
wear these kind of <laughs> rectangular um, leather clutches. Let's say it that way. I don't know why they carry it. It's it's just these rectangular small leather bags, and I feel that they have like the smoking pipes. You know those. <laughs> old thing with tobacco in there and i don't know what they have in there but they carry those leather things and it is yeah again i hate that word boomer it's so you see those old people with those things and the black amber compact kind of reminds me of that and it yeah i'm getting older and it kind of feels like Ah, oh, I don't want to wear that, but it looks cool. <laughs> it's kind of iffy to <laughs> I think the compact is also really cool. I think they did a good job with it. My yeah. only complaint is I wish they designed it to be just like a quarter inch bigger. I don't have an iPad mini, and I know they mm. say, you know, an iPad mini fits inside of it. I was trying to put my Kindle inside of it. I have a Kindle Oasis, the yeah. slightly bigger one, I guess, or wider one. And it just like won't close over it. And it's just... <laughs> I need like a quarter of an inch, you know, just the tiniest amount so that it would fit some of those other types of electronics. But to your point, they do design Apple heavy or Apple uh, forward, if you will. Mm. It's really, I mean, it's a very interesting design approach with everything that they they make. But speaking of, um, what do you think is the the next back? big thing in the bag world do you think that there will be something innovative coming i'm kind i'm kind of fearful that that we that it is we have come to a point where it is very difficult to innovate because i mean it's a bag what what else can you really <laughs> make right it's i don't so, know even outside of karyology i think not just this year, but generally, I think companies are going to be starting to combine products a little bit more. I think we're going to see a lot more collaborations between what we would think of as bag or niche bag brands and maybe some of the um, upper level or more popular brands worldwide. Like I could see, and I'm going to use examples here that I don't know of anything, just to be very clear. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. I'm just these examples. Like I could see nike partnering with air for example yeah. to release you know a gym bag collab as an example mm. and that would be probably super popular as yeah. a thing right or adidas or you know name a name an athletic brand who maybe wants to pair with a little bit more of a i'll say streetwear mm. um niche kind of bag brand i, I could totally see something like that happening yeah. um we're already seeing it if you go to the dior website the mystery yeah. branch yeah um, that's crazy yeah honestly i've never wanted to spend three thousand dollars on a bag yeah. so badly <laughs> yeah, yeah it's and there, there we have it again i mean people complain about pricing and then they they now get a glimpse of what's happening in the fashion world and then there's like oh okay that's what's expensive what we have exactly. at the moment, that's nowhere near expensive. <laughs> but then they go to right. the fashion industry and then they see Dior, Gucci, um, MS, and Birkenbeck. And then you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, I'm not going to name names here, but you look at the quality of some of that stuff and you're like, oh, you're really just paying for the name. And uh, mm-hmm. not all of it. There's some of those you know, top tier brands or, you know, bigger brands who make super, super high quality stuff. But that's not always the case. You're not always paying for quality when you go with branding like that. Yeah. Or or even worse, sometimes you go with branding and furthermore, unethical fabrics like skin of an animal that is almost uh, distinct. No, what's uh, not, not extinct. Yeah, yeah. And that's really questionable. Um, and some of the, um, I always bring this up, the Birkin bags. I've seen one um, that was in a six-figure number, out, made out of, I think, baby alligator something. So some reptile. Where I was like, is that, really ne- yeah, is that really necessary? Um, and I don't get it. I really don't get yeah. it. Um, and then I'm like, 
where the hell did you get all that money to why don't you just burn it <laughs> I, mean, that's so stupid. I was just gonna say you and i <sighs> were not rich enough to understand why people yeah. spend money on that <laughs> that's yeah that's so problem. crazy that's so crazy all right so i have one last question um yeah what's up What's your favorite item? It doesn't have to be a bag. It doesn't have to be EDC that you have bought in the last 12 months. Or if there isn't any, is there any item that you're really looking forward to buy in the next few months? Uh, favorite item. This one's actually pretty easy. In the last 12 months, A74, I picked nice. up uh, maybe eight months ago. Um, this is probably the most used thing in my house by yeah. a mile at this point because i bring it everywhere that i go on trips and whatnot i don't necessarily bring it around the city or to work or anything uh, and then of course i'm shooting here all the time i'm doing stuff so i would say it's my most used item and mm -hmm. honestly every time i use it even now i'm like man i freaking love this thing it's just so great and like it's not the best camera it doesn't have all the features but like it has everything i yeah. need and that's all and like that's perfect for me <laughs> Do you also shoot stills with it or do you only film with it? Uh, I don't know if this is uh, offensive to people, but I like just don't take a lot of pictures with this. Like yeah, it's no, probably that's... like an amazing photo yeah. camera. I take like 10 pictures a year. Like I don't even really yeah. know how to take good pictures. With that's this totally kind of reasonable. Camera. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. totally normal. I know a lot of people who own a very good um, mirrorless camera and only use it for filming because the filming features on that camera are really good. So right. what have you used before? Which um, camera? I was using, I'll show you right here. I had an A6600, which is now oh, my V cam. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then before that, I was using my phone. I tried mm. using my phone and a... I love oh, it. I can't find it right now. I was using my phone and the, um, you know, that little DJI like pocket camera. Mm -hmm. I think it's called yeah, the pocket. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. using that for the first, maybe two videos, just like trying to get things to work. Um, but you know, it, it's like, it's really easy to see the quality difference in a big mirrorless camera versus, sure. you know, a quarter inch sensor or whatever. But I love the approach because I, f I feel like so many, let's say newcomers are, blocking themselves or hindering themselves from just starting out and i always tell them just use your phone use the phone and um try to have the audio quality as good as possible maybe get a microphone first because if the audio quality is good no one will care about or not care that much about the image quality and i love that you started out with a phone um and i wish more people would just go ahead and create content with their phone instead of obsessing about buying the most expensive camera and then forgetting that they also need some other stuff like lighting or, or microphone and then they get in debt. And I really, I'm kind of sad when some, some newcomers get a credit from the bank just to buy a camera and then they, realize oh i need so much more i don't know how to use that camera or even worse i don't have an idea i have i right. actually know someone who has, he bought all of that equipment and he is a really cool guy but he he doesn't start to create because yeah he spent all of this money but he, he doesn't have the ideas to actually make it work and that's it saddens me if he would have just started out with a uh, with a phone he wouldn't have gotten into spending that much money well you know it's funny that you say that because i totally agree right like i think people buy things like cameras and they're looking for they're trying to buy motivation they're trying mm. to buy ideas exactly the that's a good point yeah and they don't come together right like mm. the, the tools you use don't dictate whether or not you create exactly and I think you're right like pick up your phone, use it. And then if you really want to be serious and consistent about posting, it doesn't have to be YouTube. It could be TikTok or anywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just take every time you're making a video, just take one aspect and make that aspect better for the next mm. video, whether it's sound or lighting or exactly. storytelling or whatever that thing is. And eventually you'll be good at all those things. Yeah. 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 I like that. 
So thank you so much for taking the time and for all of you listeners who don't know, David actually woke up for me on a Sunday at 9 a.m. in the morning um, to meet with me. So I really appreciate you taking the time on your free day <laughs> to talk to me. Thanks for inviting me. This has been awesome. It's been yeah. great to get to know you and meet you a little bit. I know we've talked Same. a couple of times or we've messaged a couple of times, but we've never actually gotten to speak. So yeah. it's been really fun. So where can people find you? Uh, yeah. So, um, if you want to find me, you can go to the karyology site or the karyology YouTube channel. That's where I post most of my videos. Uh, and then on Instagram, dsamwell13. Uh, if you're looking for uh, some fun Instagram stuff, I do keep it mostly personal, but uh, there's lots of bad stuff and lots of fun content on there. And then if you want to learn about NFTs and or blockchain, you know, you can follow me on Twitter as well, dsamwell at dsamwell. And you are a foodie, right? You like food. I. I am a foodie. Yeah. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see me eating a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I always, I always get kind of jealous. You get, you get to all of those cool places and restaurants. That's really cool. Yes, I, I do make a point of doing it. And then in Chicago, which is where I live, we just have an unlimited turnover of new restaurants coming into the city. So, uh, yeah, I have a lot of. Uh, on my Patreon, there are a lot of people who are in Chicago and they always tell me about all of the good places. So since there are so many people that I know in Chicago, at some point I will visit Chicago and then we definitely should all meet up. Yes, and we can uh, grab get, a drink Get some somewhere. good food and yeah, a yes. good, good drink and everything. All right. Awesome. Thank, thank you so much for joining me and everyone follow david on the karyology channel and check out his great reviews and videos and yeah david thank you so much and everyone stay safe and healthy and we hear each other in the next podcast thank you very much thanks